0: month the month just started so we still have a lot to to thank God for for all he has done just give him praise just give him praise this evening thank him thank him thank him thank him him for everything he has done oh yes God is at work God is at work in you with you for you and on your behalf just give him thanks give him thanks this evening oh father we thank you father we bless you thank you Jesus Father, we thank you. In the name of Jesus, we have prayed. In the name of Jesus, we have worshipped. I don't know, let's just, um, let's just thank him this evening. Let's sing. let yes.
1: Oh.
2: Yes.
3: Same one.
4: Now let's say we thank you. We thank you, Lord. We We
1: thank thank you. you. We thank you. We thank you. You You are God.
4: You are God. Creator of the universe. Creator Creator of the universe. We thank you. We We thank you.
1: You're our God, Creator, Creator of the universe. We thank You, yeah. we thank You. You're our King, You.
0: this evening, and this is a fruit of our lips, that you are a God, you are the creator of the universe, we just bless you and we give you praise, thank you, oh God, in the name of Jesus we pray, in the name of Jesus we pray, alright, just say hello to one or two people and uh, we'll just take our seat, we'll continue, just say hello to one or two people and we will be fine, God bless you. Thank you so much. God bless you. Thank you.
2: All right.
0: We're talking of, you know, uh, why sometimes it is difficult for us to understand, or to accept and believe, or to believe and then accept. What God has said concerning us. And we have said that sometimes it is easier for you to you believe that Jesus is Lord. Like we look at the disciples in John chapter 8. It was very easy for them to believe that Jesus is Lord. With all the hard things he said. He said so many hard things in chapter 6, chapter 7. Those things were so hard that some people left. Some people just, you know, they left him. They said this is too hard. How can we take this? How can we accept this? How do we accept where we are? I mean what you're saying and they left. But these guys remained, and the Bible says they believed. They remained because they were believers. They believed in him. Alright? And, um, but when he began to challenge what, you know, some of the things that had been entrenched in them. Now you see, he was talking about general things that really didn't concern them. You know, things like, oh, you will eat my flesh. You will eat this and all of that. And that was not a norm that was, that was entrenched in them. Alright? But, When he began to attack the norm that was, you know, that was entrenched in them. Like, you know, you are the children of Abraham. You are not in bondage and all that. And he began to attack that. He began to say something about that. Now, the lion in them just rose up. And they began to fight him. And they began to fight him. Why? Because sometimes, you know, you believe what is not true. And from their confession of what they said, what they said about Abraham was not even true. Or what they said about their covenant or how it has been manifested was not even true. On the face value, you don't even need to go deep. You just know immediately, because they said, you know, where Abraham said, we have never been in bondage. And right there, they were under the bondage of the Romans. All right? So sometimes the reason why we don't, don't, you know, uh, believe and accept what God has said concerning us is because there are some things that we have believed that are contending against the knowledge of God on our inside. There are some things that we have believed. There are some things that are really not true when you look at them from the face value. And they're contending against the knowledge that God was saying. And so you'll be operating on one frequency, and God is operating on another frequency. All right? We also talked about the traditions of men, you know, how our culture and our traditions, you know, have affected us. And because of that, whatever God says, when we put it vis-a-vis the word of God, we have been so used to our traditions. And we cannot take away, I mean, we cannot elevate the word of God above our tradition. And where I want to start is the last one. I just want to, you know, just summarize some things and just say a few things, then we'll go into the conversation. And the last one is, you know, the ways of men. And we use Isaac as an example of, you know, how the ways of men, the ways things have been done begins to affect you, begins to uh, stop you from believing what God has said. And um, we saw Isaac, from what we said, we saw Isaac, uh, if you compare him with Abraham before him and Jacob after him, you will discover that you know, he, he fell short a little bit. And why? Because Isaac was just a guy who, who just did what he saw or who just did things because that was the way they were done. And I was telling you, you know, his father's well was the same well he went to dig. He did not even look for, he did not even ask God. God told him, verse 26, chapter 26 from verse 1. God told him, say, don't go to Egypt because he was intending to go to Egypt. Why? Because his father went to Egypt when there was famine in the land. His father was going to Egypt and God knew he was headed to Egypt and God told him, no, don't go. Wait in the place where I will tell you. I will show you a land where you prosper. Isaac did not even wait. Isaac just settled where he was. Why? Because his father to settle at one time in Gerar. Because if Egypt did not work for my father, then Gerar worked. You know, he prospered there. You know, you know. So he's going to. So he stayed there. But that was not where God had not told him where he wanted him to be. So he stayed there. He remained in, in Gerard. Gerar. All right. We also talked about uh, uh, the fact that um, um, Isaac also. Uh, the way his father dealt with, um, what is his name? The way his father dealt with Abimelech, he also dealt with Abimelech. If you read this, there were so many similarities there. His father hid his mother from Abimelech, all right? And told Abimelech, oh, I thought, you know, she's my sister. When he came to Isaac's turn too also, he said the same thing. He hid his wife and said she was my sister. So in other words, he was doing things that he saw his father do. He was just doing it the way his father did it. All right, and that's why you see he was so absent-minded. He was not a man of himself, because it's the way Daddy did it that I'm going to do it. And let me say it here: I'm not saying that you know uh, what Abraham did was wrong, or Abraham did not train him right. That's not what I'm saying. Or our children, or people who are following, him, people who are ment- who we are mentoring, or who were mentors, or people who look up to us. I'm not saying that they shouldn't do what they should, what we should be doing. All right, because Paul actually said it. He said, "Imitate me as I do what, as I imitate Christ." So there's a place for imitation, all right, where you imitate. However, however, when you are imitating, when you are imitating, I want to show you one thing that Isaac missed, that many, of, many times would miss it, all right? Isaac, Isaac, Isaac understood the methods. He did not understand the principles. He understood the methods. He did not, the, he did not understand the principles. Because principles last... And they can survive from situation to situation, from generation to generation, but methods do change. In fact, if you read verse 26, if you read verse 26, the Bible said about this, it said, it was a famine, quite all right. But it was a famine that was different from the one that Abraham had. It was, it, it was a famine, quite all right, but it was a different famine. In other words, the approach, the principle should be, should be the same, but the approach should be different. But Isaac elevated what? The methods, the approach. He elevated it above the principle. And that was the same thing that Jesus Christ said. You know, in the world, you talk about methods and, you know, uh, methods and principles. But in the scriptures, Jesus told us, he said, the letter killeth, but the, word, the spirit does what gives life. In other words, what we are supposed to learn, what we are supposed to transfer, what we are supposed to teach people is what is the spirit and not the letter. But a lot of times we give people the letter and we don't give them the spirit. And so when they go, they don't go in the spirit of what we're talking about. They don't go in the spirit of the word of God. They don't do things in the spirit of the word of God. They do it in the letter of the word of God. And guess what? You begin to run into trouble. You begin to run into into problems. And quickly, let me just say it here. That for... Many of us, especially those of us, you know, who, are, who have young children, those of us who are mentoring people, you know, you have people you are mentoring. By the way, I believe that every adult Christian, if you're a Christian and you're an adult, that's my personal belief. I believe you should have people in your life that you are mentoring, people in your life that you are putting, pouring into. There should be people in your life, outside your immediate distance that you are pouring into. Because, you know, we are talking about people knowing uh, what God has said about them, what God has called them to do. And the best time for people to know it is when they are young. In psychology, we call it uh, uh, conditioning, right? You condition people, you condition uh, situations. You, I, mean, you, I mean, you condition your, your animals. You condition your uh, people to do certain things in, the same, in, in certain ways, all right? So what I'm saying is we need, when is it the best for people to start realizing what God has said about them? When they are children, when they are young. Because by the time we're old, we already have our ways. We already have the way, our methods and things that we do. things, And it becomes difficult to begin to, uh, I mean, to begin to want to walk against the things that are contending against us, really. Because we have been used to them over a long period of time. We have been used to them. We have been used to doing things this way. We have seen people who did it this way. And sometimes we even did it this way, it worked. And then we think we can transfer it again and do it the same way. But sometimes it's not the method, it's just the principle. It's not the letter, it is the spirit that matters most. And so we need to take this into heart and you know, teach our children, teach those that were mentoring, those that are under us, those that were you know, influencing in one way or the other. Begin to teach them and begin to show them the principles of the word of God, the spirit of the word of God, and how do we do that? How do we do that? How do we how do we make people learn the spirit and not the the I mean the word? You know, I'm all for you know morning, early morning prayer. That's good. That has its place. It's good because if people don't understand the word, because uh, if people don't understand or know the word, it's difficult for them to be able to accept what God is saying concerning them. So, what am I saying? In addition to us, you know, doing family Bible time, family Bible studies, and and all of that, and teaching our children the Word of God and telling them to memorize the Word of God, all those things are great. All those things are good. But I guarantee you that is not enough for them to be able to understand the principle of the Word of God. That's why in many ways and in many situations and sometimes, it's just the letter of the Word of God that they carry all over the place. And when the challenges of life and when the vicissitudes of life come against them, you know, they are beginning to, you know, they begin to fall apart. Everything just falls apart. I have seen many, many, many young children, many young men. In fact, one, one, one was speaking to me some time ago. And he was like, I don't even know if I believe, he couldn't talk to his dad. His dad is my friend. But he couldn't talk to his dad. He couldn't relate that to his dad. He said, I don't even know if I believe this thing again. I don't even know if I believe this Christianity anymore. And I'm like, why? He said, he said, because a lot of things, you know, when you, when you look at things this way, and you look at that this way, and a lot of things don't seem to be gelling and all of that. And I, said, and I said, you are in the best place of your life. This is the best place of your life that you have been. This crossroad. Everybody has to get to this crossroad. And you make a decision. Everybody has to get to this crossroad. And you should, you should just thank God that you got this, to this crossroad early in your life. All right? And then I started telling him of how, you know, for the most part, what you believe is what your dad has told you. It's not a personal conviction. You have not gotten to the place where you have personally been convicted. You have a conviction that this is what God is saying concerning me. So it's what you have been told. It's what your father has told you, what your father has taught you, how your father said you should do it. That's what you have believed. But now you have come to a place. This crossroad is a place where God is putting you to be able to come to a place where you can experience the word of God for yourself. You can experience the word of God for yourself. And what am I saying in essence? What am I saying? I'm saying that we should get to a point where we go beyond just these early morning prayer meetings. I mean family meetings and family get-togethers and all of that. And go to a place where we use every situation to present the word of God to people. Because it is when they are able to start using the word of God for themselves and they can believe the word of God for themselves from a young age, then they can begin to understand the principles of the word of God and not just the knowledge of it, just put things in, in, in the head. All right? So that is where it starts. Begin to allow your children. I, use, I try to use every moment as a teachable moment between me and my children. There are some scriptures that I would have told them, I've quoted for them and all of that. And then when it comes to a real life situation, I say, really, does it work like that? And I'm, yeah, that's how it works. That's how it works. I remember one of them was not doing very well academically, I mean, in, in a particular uh, subject, and we're just talking and this thing. And he was talking about how, you know, he prayed, he believed God and all those kind of things for uh, this thing. And this thing is getting difficult and, and, and all of that. And I, and I just quoted a scripture that we have used many times. And I'm, I'm like, you know, uh, the Bible says, you know, everything should be uh, precept upon precept, line upon line, here a little, dear a little. All right? And when we talked about that, he said, so you can use the scripture for this thing? I said, yes, you can use it. It's a principle. Right? You can use it. That means what I was trying to, what I was trying to bring out to him is that he always waits for, you know, time to go by. Before he does whatever he needs to do, he's, he's, a, he's a procrastinator. You know, he procrastinates. He waits until the end of the time before he gets things done. But I was telling him, you have to start doing things little by little. You know, pick it here, do it here, do it here, do it here, little there, little here, and all of that. And when you mix it, it becomes big because big things start from small. The big things of life are a combination of little, little, small, small things. And when you bring them together, they become big. So what I'm saying is this: is that we have to use every teachable moment to introduce the word of God to our children. Not just tell them; it's not enough to tell them. It's not enough to bring them to prayer and pray about it. It's not enough to make them memorize it. But the thing is to make them do it. All right? And and we see it um, we see it in Scripture and we see it in natural life, where um, if if you look at um, if you look at the way it's done. Okay, I, I love soccer, so I can say a little bit about it. And the biggest problem that African suckers have is that they don't train all these kids from the, from the ground. All right? They don't, train them from, they don't train them from when they are young. They leave them to their own devices when they are young. So these children just do anything and all of that. And so the guys are talented, but they're not technical. In other words, they have the letter of the thing, but they are not very, they are not, you know, they're not very, the principle of how the things work, they don't know. However, they can play a beautiful game, they will dribble you, they will do all kinds of things, all kinds of styles, but when it comes to productivity, to make it work, to make, I mean, to get results, it becomes a problem because they are always depending on their talents and there's only a a level to which talents can take you. But look at other places. If you look at Europe, you look at all these places, they train them from childhood. And what they are training them is not even the, the this thing, it's just the principle, the technique, the skills that they teach them, that they train them. And so those guys know, you know how to be efficient with the use of their time and the use of the ball and all of that, and they are getting results. And it's the same thing. If you look at life, you look at, you know, you look at our life, you see, um, first of all, okay, let me do this and then we'll, I'll, throw, I'll throw it open. Let me just say this and then I'll throw it open because I think I'm talking too much. Really, there are three stages. There are three stages of you know of life, or three stages of development, in the context of what I wanted. I want to say, all right. There is the uh, dependency stage. There is the independent stage, and there is the interdependent stage. All right. The dependency stage is when you are you know your children. You are with your children, and you know you are making you are helping them with everything. You help them you know, you help them to eat, you help them to walk. They want to fall, you're holding them down. You want to do this, you're helping them. There's that stage of you know, dependence where they're supposed to be completely dependent on you. All right. You, you, sh- you teach them everything. You show them everything. You let them, uh, you're actually involved. You're holding their hands. You're doing this. But it gets to a point where you have to allow them to be independent. All right. You allow them to be independent. So that all that they have learned when they are dependent, they are now beginning to be able to use. When they are independent. And when does that age of independence start? Really, the age of independence actually starts maybe around 12. Let me put it because of scripture. Because we saw Jesus Christ at the age of 12. You know, God began to release him. You know, he left his family. He went there and was on his own. And the Bible says he was able to hold his own even amongst the professors. And, you know, the, the, the rulers and, and the teachers of the law, he was able to hold his own. So, in other words, by 12 years, you should be able to start releasing your children. In other words, start allowing them to start experiencing life. Start allowing them to experience life. Begin to show them and tell them, you know, go and do this yourself. Do this yourself. Now, you know, at 11 years old, you shouldn't be ironing your shirt for a, a child. You should allow them to have chores. You should allow them to have things they are doing. They're independent. And then you are using the word of God to teach them, to allow them to know that you know these things are normal, these things are real, and all of that. But you see, the state of independence, the state of dependency and the state of independence are not the perfect stage. The most perfect stage in human development is a state of interdependence where you are depending and i'm depending on you and how do you become interdependent you become interdependent based on what you have learned when you are independent and what you have learned when you are when um, when you are dependent and when you are independent now when i'm saying independent i don't mean just allow them to run wild that's not what i'm saying but i'm saying begin to release them begin to allow them to have a sense of freedom to make judgments to make mistakes Allow them to make mistakes. Then use those situations. If they do things right, use those situation to teach them the word of God. If they do things wrong, use the situation. use the situation to correct them. Use the word of God to correct them in that situation. You allow them. And that's how a child becomes not just independent, but becomes interdependent. Because when you become interdependent, you are able to what? To help other people too. So you're not just dependent. You're not just taking. You're not just standing on your own. You're not just taking, but you're also giving. That's what those stages are. And that's why we need to be able to understand that it gets to a stage in our lives. We're just like coach. When the Bible says train up a child, it's, 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 from, the, it's from the idea of a coach. All right? When, when a child just comes in before the, before the game, the, the, I mean, the child is told what to do. No, don't kick it this way. No, don't do In fact, the coach will be with the child on the field. He's with them. He's running all over the place. He's aligned there. But when the game starts, guess what? He sits by the sidelines. And all he can do is just tell them, hey, you're have... no, no, go in, go in this way. You know, run this way. That's what the coach does. And that's what the Bible is telling us. We need to get to a point where we're able to allow our children to really, ex- you know, to really experience life. And we now use the word of God like a coach. No, 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 no. You just missed the penalty there. You just did this wrong. Then you use the word of God to really tell them what they are doing wrong or what they are not doing right. Or what they should do or how they should do it or how they should better it. That is how a person understands the principles of the word of God and not just the methods of the word of God. And that was the problem that Isaac had. He just understood the methods, but he did not understand the principles. He did not understand the principles. And that is what I want us to do because if if we are going to get to a place where God, where we will really accept God for who he is and what he has said concerning us, we'll have to get to a point where we're able to put our children in a place because it's the easiest way. That's the easiest point from which people can start believing God. you see them, and that's why you know, you, you see the Jewish, uh, the Jew, in the Jewish culture, they train them from, from, from childhood. They train them from childhood, condition them and all of that. So I just want to... Uh, i put this out and just uh, throw it out. So I don't know whatever contribution, whatever. You have, you have a contribution, you have a suppression, you have a disagreement, you have anything that you don't agree, you know, whatever the thing is. It's, the field is open now before we pray. Oh, anybody?
2: Okay. Thank you very much, sir. Um you spoke about the letter of the word and the spirit of it. It reminds me of uh, one of paul Yoicho 's uh, book uh, that he wrote and told us about a day when South Korea you know was heavily flooded, and some group of Christians needed to So, a group of Christians needed to get across the river and it was high tide that day. So, they believed God to cross them over to the other side and they quoted the scriptures that Peter walked on the waters and they believed that they would make it through and they did not make it. They died. And the following morning... You know, the newspapers were all over the place, you know, screaming headlines that God couldn't save them, uh, that God was not there for them, all kinds of things. So I'm thinking, OK, they followed the letter of the word. Where was the spirit of the word? Okay. Or sometimes it's now a common sense that it should not cross it. Is that where the spirit is, My common sense? Okay. <laughs> all right. <laughs>
0: Now, there is, um, the Bible says out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let every word be what, be established, all right? So, sometimes we, sometimes we take something from the word of God and just like Isaac, okay, I'll, let me go back to Isaac again, just like Isaac, by the time he found out, he discovered that that is where God wanted him to be because God actually wanted him to be in the valley of Gerar, not Gerar. all right? But he was there until he found the Valley of Gerah. And that was when he said, Oh, God has actually provided room for us. And he called the name of the place Rehoboth. That's where God actually wanted him to be. Now, listen to it. Before he got to the Valley of Gerah where God actually wanted him to, he prospered. Right? The Bible says he, he prospered, he reaped, he had a great harvest, and this thing. But because something, because you are reaping, or because you have a harvest, or because something is working for you, does not mean that is the ultimate that God wants for you. Am I, am I making sense, sir? All right. So the Bible now said, by the time he now discovered, because that was the ultimate place that God was taking Isaac, was not even in the Valley of Gerar, but for that famine, that period of famine, God just wanted him to be in that Valley of Gerar. That's where God called him to. But ultimately, that was not where God was calling him to. And what did he do? The Bible said he pitched his tent. All right? What, what is the import of that? What is the, what is the, what is the import of, of that, of pitching the tent? There's a difference between building your temple or a tabernacle and pitching a tent. In other words, it is temporary. Why? Because that is not the ultimate of God. So what I'm trying to say is that a lot of times for us Christians, Peter walked on water, right? Peter walked on water. But that is not a principle in itself that you can just pick, except God speaks to you. That you cannot just go and say, uh, manna dropped from heaven. So I'm not going to walk again. I'll just wait in my house and and just let manna fall from heaven. And then you starve to death. All right. That's not the spirit of the word. That's not this. And there are some things that are principles that we know in the word of God that, you know, out of the mouth of two or three, we have seen it twice. We have seen it three times happening. And then we know that, you know, without God even saying anything to you, you know, that's what you're going to like. Bible talked about love, love one another. We see it everywhere. You know, uh, forgiveness. It's everywhere. But there are some things that we see that God actually specifically spoke to people and told them, do this. And because God told them specifically to do that, it doesn't mean that because you saw it written in scriptures, you can just take it and do it. That's working in the letter of the word. I don't know if I made sense. Did, did that make sense? I would say it's more common sense, right? Because common sense has to come into play. You cannot just wake up and say that okay, I believe in God, so somebody has a gun up to my face, and the person's going to show I'm not going to die. You are going to die. Because that's just what happens. Just because you believe in God and God wants to protect you doesn't mean that, oh, if you go and stand right there on the road right now, you see all those cars coming, they just, all of them go to avoid you. No. One might avoid you. The second one is going to hit you. So that's just how it is. Because life has certain things that I don't think that God has to be the one who intervenes in every single one of those actions. Your personal action has to have those consequences. So if you do something that you know for sure, that, hey, this is something that might lead me to death, you might actually just die. It doesn't mean that God doesn't exist. It doesn't mean that he doesn't love you any, any, any less. So. Let, me, let me give you an example. I have a friend. This happened to me personally. Not happened to me, but it happened to my friend. My friend that I know personally. It's not, this is not a, somebody told me. This is not a story. It's my friend. My very good friend. We grew up together. All right? The guy was a pastor. And um, they, did, they had a thanksgiving in his church. And a fairly big church. I mean, the church had grown and God had blessed him and all that. And they had a Thanksgiving, the year-end Thanksgiving service. And, and that year-end Thanksgiving service, you know, they made, they made, they made I mean, there was, the offering was really good. But what they were doing, because of where they were, they could not take, they don't take the offerings to the, um, they don't take the offerings to church, I mean, to the bank. They don't take their offerings or their collections to the bank until the following day, you know, the following day, Sunday and so they had it in the house. So, because of insider information and all of that, God will just deliver us from some, you know, some, some people that you know, claim to be godly people, and, and they're not. Yeah, so insider information, they got this insider information, and so they now knew that there was money there, so the arm came and went to his house to go and attack him, because they normally leave the money in the house, in the pastor's house, and early in the morning, they go and deposit it in the bank. So they went there, so the arm went there and attacked him, alright? So, when the robbers got there, this, true story. This one I know it. I can give you the guy's name. You can go on. In fact, that was the time it was all over the all over the place on the internet. Now, the guy, when the robbers came there, they shot him. But when they shot him, the gun jammed. The bullets just jammed. They weren't working. They tried and tried and tried to get the the uh, the, the gun to work. It wouldn't work. So the robbers were kind of scared. All right, But because they were so confident of themselves, they, they didn't cover up. Because they thought they were just going to kill the guy and just go away. So they didn't cover up and they were scared. And they, they now ran away. So they left. And, but before they left, one of them now said, these guys have seen us. They have known us. I mean, they, they have seen us. So we have to do something. If we don't do something, I mean, we're going to go in for it. All right? So they ran away. Now, my friend's wife was telling us now, because my friend eventually died, all right? His wife was telling us that she was telling him, you know, let's run. God has already delivered us. God has given us a way of escape. Let's go. Let's move. The guy refused. The guy said the God that delivered him from the bullets is also going to deliver him from, you know, whatever other thing. And he stayed. Because she heard the guy saying they were coming back. So she said, let's escape. Let's run. Let's go away. So the guy said no. He was going to stay. But by the time they came back, they did not come back now with guns. They came back with pistons and woods and metals and all that, and they beat him to death there. They beat him to death.
4: Okay. I think um, from my little study of the Bible, I think what the issue is principles and methods. The principle for your friend is God will always deliver us from evil. But like we know God in the scriptures, just like he heals. But when you look through, let's look at what Jesus walked in the New Testament. I cannot recollect anywhere where he used the same method to heal twice. Do you understand? But the principle that he will heal you is certain. So I think what happens is we need to be sensitive. First of all, we know the principles. But we need to be sensitive to the methods of God they are never the same he delivered him from the bullets that was the method for that point in time but was he sensitive enough to know that the next one you need to flee simple, there are no two ways yes, you know because he will still have delivered him if he ran away yeah the, the, so it's, it's like like these um, gentle uh, the boys that drowned. The principle is God will always preserve and protect us. But the method at that particular point in time, did they bother to be sensitive enough to the method of God to cross that river? For all you care, one of them, God could have been speaking to him that, guys, let's turn back. There's no point. What, what point are we trying to prove? Do you understand? So I believe it's so important to understand that the methods of God are so so different, the spectrum is wide, but the principles are the same. Yeah.
0: Thank you. Somebody else? Yes. Okay. Okay.
1: Yeah. It's what. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. Um, God speaks to us through our human spirit. Okay. We are trip- tripartite. Uh, we have the body, we have the soul, and we have the spirit. Uh, the body uses feeling as the language for the body. And for the soul, is intellect. And many at times, we tend to depend on intellect. But the spirit in which God speaks to us is through his spirit. And in Romans eight fourteen, as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the children of God. So he speaks with us through our spirit. Uh, at times, we may force believing prophets not that all prophets are bad, but God speaks to you. You are a child. I mean, we have children, we speak to each of them. So you have to listen to the human spirit. It needs training. We need to train that. I mean, you can see the example of Samuel and Eli. Samuel was a young boy, he had this word of God, but he couldn't understand. But then there's one man with experience. And that's why you are talking of interdependent. The principle is always the same. It will use the spirit to speak to us. And we have to learn to listen to the spirit. It takes time. But as we go along, I know that we won't have problems even when we listen to the spirit. Paul did. I mean, Paul wanted to go and preach somewhere. God said, the spirit said no. And he went somewhere, and he was thrown into the prison. Not that he won't have problems, but the, I mean, the end result is
0: our victory. Thank you. Just like Isaac again, like I said, nobody wants to you know, nobody wants to live in the valley. The valley was dangerous. The valley was not a place where it was normal for, for any rational human being to want to live in those days. I mean, it was just a complete death sentence for you if you lived in the valley. Alright, so um, but that's where God wanted to bless him. That was where God has provided room for him for that particular farming period. That was where he was supposed to be. And look at what happened. That was where he knew that God has actually created or provided room for him at that place. So just to buttress what you're saying, that sometimes it doesn't mean that because God is leading us, we are not going to face challenges. That's not what we're saying. You know, because ultimately, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, it's, it's more about life. It's more about, uh, it's more about what God really wants to accomplish than our happiness, although we find at the end of the day our happiness in what God is really accomplishing. So what I'm just trying to say, did did that make sense? I don't know if that makes sense. Did it make sense? Okay. That really at, at the beginning when God starts leading you, it's not about your happiness really. It's about what God wants to accomplish. But if you are patient enough, if you are patient enough, you'll find your happiness in where God is leading you to. All right, But a lot of us, sometimes we put our happiness before what God really wants, before the purposes and, and the intentions of God. We put our happiness before it, and that's why we miss God. So what I'm saying is you know, we need to be able to get to that point where we know God and we understand God very well, and we are ready, even at the expense of our happiness, to do what he wants because his ultimate uh, goal or reality encompasses our happiness and our desires and our joys. Any other contribution? Any disagreement? Any, okay.
3: Okay, mine is just, uh, you know, when we see miracles that are done for, to meet a need, miracle is not, it's not a norm or way of life. It is like a process to meet a particular need at that time. For example, the children of uh, the Israelites crossed the Red Sea with Moses, with the staff. It is equally possible that God could ask them to walk on top of the water. But the instruction at that time was to use the staff. So if somebody, maybe a Christian, wants to pick that particular instance to use it for another thing, that may not work. But when you hear that, okay, this is the way to do, to cross this valley or to cross this mountain, then when you apply it, it will work. But if you are just lifting it because you know it was done in the Bible for certain persons. It's not the same situation. So it will not work for you. Like the guys he was uh, quoting, crossing the river. What mission are you trying to accomplish? You know, it, it, it's not like, a, it's not a competition. You know, if you are trapped in a such a way that, okay, there is no escape, all you need to do is God to give you a way of escapes. Whatever he tells you, that is the way you are going to. You don't need, if I may use your word, you don't need to condition God to use a particular way to save you or a particular way to reach you, to touch you. You know. Exactly.
0: Exactly. Ratunji, are we okay? You. <laughs> Any other thing? Any other. Any other thing? Any other thing? All right. Alright, let's just stand to our feet and let's, let's just pray. And, and this evening I just want us, you know, it's on my heart to just pray for, you know, for our children and, you know, for anybody that we're pouring into, anybody that we're mentoring. And if you're not doing that, I just wanted to pray also that God should just help you to be able to pour some experience into some, some person. Because it is very, very, very important. It is so important that we we'll find people that we're mentoring, people we're influencing positively. Because if people are not influenced, in, in the realm of the spirit, there's no vacuum. Something will always happen. There will always be something that will influence people. But how beautiful it is if the right things are the things that are influencing people, especially the young people. Because that is from, it is from that age that be, they begin to know the principles of God. They begin to know the things or how to hear God, how to listen to God. Somebody talked about Samuel. I mean, what wonderful experience can you have when, you know, at that age, you know, he was began, they began to teach him. His mentor began to teach him how to listen to God, how to hear God. Next time when you hear this, this is what happens. This is what you say. This is how you say it. All right? So I just need us to just begin to, you know, to pray. Because the people you pour into, the story of that samuel, the people, the people that are poured into are the people that, are, that bring things out. Uh, Eli was not able to train his own children. His children went his children went uh, back. But it was somebody else's child that was pouring into that became something. Somebody else's child. The person had no relationship with him. So because Samuel also in that sense was look, looking at the ways and not the principle. All right? So Samuel understood how to follow God but he did not know how to train his children. Because why? Eli that was before him knew how to listen to God and transferred that to him. But Eli did not know how to train his children. He transferred that to him. All right? And guess what? Samuel to transfer it to David. All right? Because someone was David's mentor. And David had a chaotic family life. His family life was terrible. Why? Because of what his mentor, what he saw his mentor do. So nobody trained him. Alright? David too, if you look at his own family too, you look at it downwards. Solomon, we saw Solomon was just a, 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 a this thing. Thank God for Solomon. Whatever Solomon achieved was, part of what he achieved was because of his mother. So it's so important that, you know, what we pour into people, we have to be careful what we point to people, and what we point to people is, what, is how they turn out. And I just want us this evening to just begin to tell God to just help us, to be able to turn, to pour into people the right things, and do it the right way, and just, and just work things out. Just, just pray for your children, pray for the people that are young, pray for our young people, pray for our children, pray and just, you know, uh, just, just commit yourselves to God, that God, As you help me, I'll be able to help these people to be able to train, to come to a point where they're experiencing your word. They understand your word. They're not just working with their intellects alone, but they are working with the spirit of the word. They know the principles of the word of God. They wait for God to tell them the methods that he wants to use. Not just uh, ape anything that we we do. Not just ape anything that they see us do. So I just want you to just begin to... Begin to bless God and just thank God. Open your heart. Tell God this evening, God, I open my heart to receive wisdom, to receive wisdom, to receive life, to be able to transfer, to be able to transfer to my children, to the people that are under me, the people I have influence or authority over. God just help me to be able to have that wisdom, to be able to deal with them in spirit and in truth, to be able to deal with them in spirit and in truth, to be able to pour into them the spirit of God and truth, to be able to transfer to them the spirit of God, the spirit of excellence, the spirit of how to know, when to know, and why they should know. Father, we just want to thank you this evening for everyone, every child, everyone that we're mentoring, every children, everyone that we have authority over this this evening. Father, we just begin to pray for them we declare oh god in the name of jesus today that we receive wisdom for you to be able to transfer we receive life from you to be able to transfer we receive the spirit of excellence to be able to transfer we receive understanding this evening to be able to transfer to the people to influence them in a way that they will know who they are they will know what god has called them to do they will know why they are doing what they are doing and why they should be doing what they are doing father we thank you because we will know we'll be able to transfer wisdom to them that they will be able to speak in wisdom they will be able to walk in wisdom they will be able to live with your wisdom and your knowledge and your understanding that the power of the Holy Spirit will work mightily in their lives because of the influence that we have in them. In the name of Jesus, Father, we just begin to thank you now in the name of Jesus that every weakness that we have, we begin to speak against those weaknesses now. And declare in the name of Jesus, that with the help of God, we are able to overcome those weaknesses. And we are not transferring those weaknesses to other people in the name of Jesus. We are not transferring the negative uh, uh, things, the negative spirit into this people in the name of Jesus. That, Father, everything we are doing, we are doing it to the glory and honor of your name as you help us. Father, we thank you and we bless you. We glorify you. We exalt your holy name. We bless you. Thank you, O God, for this evening. Thank you for every child in this church. Thank you for every young person in this church. In the name of Jesus, that they will be filled with the spirit of God. They will be filled with the power of God. In the name of Jesus, that the spirit of wisdom and revelation will indwell them, will imbibe their hearts and their spirit and their souls, Oh God. In the name of Jesus, that as your spirit rises up, as the wisdom of God begins to be lifted up, in the name of Jesus. Ah, their intellect will begin to be uh, subdued compared to the activity of the Spirit of God in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you and we bless you. We glorify you. John said... He said, I must decrease." Re- he said, he must increase, and I must reduce. In the name of Jesus, Father, in the name of Jesus, we just begin to thank you for every person here, every person here, that Jesus will increase in our hearts. Jesus will increase in our lives. Jesus will increase in everything that we do. In the name of Jesus, that the impact of Jesus Christ will be felt in every area, every corner, every department of our lives, and everything that we are, that we are involved in. That we will decrease, oh God, in every area as Jesus increases. As Jesus increases, we are decreasing. As Jesus is increasing, we're decreasing. In the name of Jesus, that your wisdom, that your love, that your joy, your peace and your grace will just be extended, oh God, to other people in our lives in the name of Jesus. Father, we thank you. Father, we bless you. We glorify you. We. Exal- I just want us to pray for our church. Just pray for our church. Just pray for everyone. Just pray for, just pray for our church. Pray for everyone. I just want you this evening, first of all, let's lift everyone here, especially Pastor, Pastor Bank and, and the leadership let's just lift everyone up, let's lift everyone up, that in the name of Jesus because we know that as a leader you know, he has a lot of influence he has a lot of influence and authority over a lot of us, that God will continue to imbibe him with the spirit of wisdom and knowledge and revelation that he will, he will direct us positively, he will influence us positively so that we will know what, what we ought to do, we will know like Israel knew what they ought to do. That we will know that he will explain the word of God with power and with simplicity to us. That we will be able to walk in the spirit of the word of God every time and in every situation. That the power of the word of God will fill this place. As it flows from this altar, the power of the word of God that changes, that transforms, that translates to life will begin to be made manifest in every one of us' life, oh God, in the name of Jesus. That the word of God will find expression in our lives. That the principle of the word of God will be what we are learning, we are receiving, we are imbibing, and working with these principles. In the name of Jesus, we pray for this congregation. We pray for our leadership. We pray, especially Pastor Bank. we lift him up before you this evening, oh God. In the name of Jesus, that he will be able to lift us by your word. He will be able to direct us with your word. That he will be able to point us to you with your word and by your word in the name of Jesus we have prayed. Secondly, I just want us to pray for every one person here, every one of us, that our ears and our hearts will be open to receive the engrafted word of God. In other words, the word of God that is able to change us, that is able to transform us. That is what our hearts to be open to. This evening I just want you to pray that the spirit of humility will prevail here so that every one of us will be able to receive the engrafted word of God. The word of God that is able to save us, to direct us, to lead us in the way that we should go. You know, the Bible tells us, He said, "After for, for a long time you be going by yourself. You go anywhere you want to go. But it gets to a place where you become mature, you say and you listen to a voice that's telling you, this is the way. Here is the way. Go. So this is what we want. This is where we want to be. With the things of God. So Father, in the name of Jesus, we just pray for every member of this congregation. Every person in this congregation We present them before you, O God, in the name of Jesus. That this assembly becomes a place of humility where the word of God will find expression in our hearts. That when we see the word of God, every thought, everything that is exalting itself against the knowledge of the almighty God begins to be crumble. Begins to find their ways. Begins to give way for the word of God to find expression in us. Father, we thank you and we bless you. We glorify you. We exalt you. Thank you for this church. We are growing in wisdom. We are growing in knowledge. We are growing in understanding. We are growing in the power of the Holy Spirit. We are growing in joy. The fruit of the Spirit is a normality in our congregation in the name of Jesus that we speak to one another with grace. We edify one another by the word of God. Father, we thank you, O God, that everyone is growing, that iron is sharpening iron, O God. In the name of Jesus, we are brightening the countenance of ourselves, O God. In the name of Jesus, we are speaking the word of life to one another we're encouraging one another we're bearing one another's body no God and we are walking in the fullness of the power of God because you said in your word that one shall chase a thousand and two shall chase ten thousand thank you for the multiplier effects of your word in our lives that when we come together the word becomes explosive in our hearts and in our lives and in our ways and the things that we do father we thank you oh God We bless you, we thank you, we glorify you, we exalt you. Thank you, O God, for this congregation, this church, O God, is also an influencer. We're influencing people, O God, with your word. We're a church that is influencing people. We're an assembly, O God, that because your word is thriving, we're influencing the world around us, O God. And we're pointing them to the direction of the knowledge of the Son of God. Father, we thank you. We bless you, we glorify you. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Father, this evening, we just thank you. We bless you. We glorify you for your word. We thank you for everything that you're doing in our lives. Thank you, God, because our hearts are open we are open to receive the engrafted word of God. We thank you, O God, because you are also helping us to be influencers, both individually and corporately, Oh God, in the name of Jesus, that we are people who are investing in people. We are pouring into people that which you have given to us, Oh God. Father, we just want to thank you, O God, for every member of this congregation. In the name of Jesus, this evening, we begin to bring them before you now in the name of Jesus, declaring, Oh God, that you meet everyone at their point of need, that no matter what the need is, is it spiritual, is it natural, is it physical, you will meet every one at their point of need, O oh God, in the name of Jesus. Because your word declares that you are the multi-breasted one, O oh God, you are the El Shaddai. In other words, every problem has a solution with you. Therefore, in the name of Jesus, we begin to ask you, O oh God, that you begin, O oh God, to meet everyone at their point of need, O oh God, in the name of Jesus. That in our midst, there will be no need. That in our midst, there will be no lack. In the name of Jesus, Father, we thank you and we bless you. We glorify you. Exalt, you are exalted, O oh God. You are lifted up, oh God. You are the king of our lives. You are the king of this assembly. You are the king of our homes. We thank you and we bless you. We glorify you and exalt you. In the name of Jesus we have prayed. In the name.